live brunch. We are live. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Live Brunch. Live Brunch. Live Brunch. Hello, welcome to Live Brunch. It's good to have you with us. We are continuing the conversation as we do every week at the end of our live stream. And Joel's with me this morning. And we've got Arnold as well. Welcome oh. to you guys. And uh, I'm in the hosting chair. This is slightly different for me. It's good, it's good so though. See how you adapt to it, Matt. You might, yeah, be, no, you might be made for it. It's more, this bench is more Matt comfortable. Matt is the new Grape Norton. Yeah. <laughs> so appropriate. Ah, I'll take that as a compliment. Do the accent. There we go. Uh, right, so what we do on each week is we kind of um, get into more detail, I suppose, get into some application, and we also take some questions from you uh, about what we've heard, and maybe about things that you thought were helpful to you or questions about it. How do you apply it in your life? Maybe you just thought what Joel said was rubbish. And you've got some questions you want to say, what about this, what about this? I want to hear from you today. So put the questions on the chat. We've picked up a few already. Thanks for sending those in. And uh, we'll get into some of those uh, in a minute. But also, as well as having uh, questions that you ask us, every week we have questions for you as well. Because we, what we want to do when we hear teaching from the Bible is apply it, think about it for ourselves. And so every week uh, we have a few questions. So I've got a few questions for you just to think about in your small groups, think about with your friends, over the dinner table perhaps, and that sort of thing. So here's Here's three questions to think about this week. Firstly, how have you seen the craving to be an insider uh, becoming a corruptive force in someone's life or even your life? Secondly, how has this topic played out in your experience, both your desire to be in and your uh, initiative perhaps in welcoming others in as well and building community? How has that played out in your experience? And then thirdly, what uh, sorry, when it comes to building community, how does Jesus help us and motivate us to do this? Arnold, why don't you answer that second question um, to begin with? Your experience, both desire to be in and initiate welcoming others. What's about for you and student work as well, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. There's, I have had this huge, huge, huge desire to, to be in. Sometimes it can be quite... Uh, detrimental to, to my own kind of like life because I there's this need to want to be popular and be seen and be known um, but I think there's an element of it that is actually necessary everybody wants to be part of a clique part of a group part of a, a togetherness um, and I think for me how it's uh, been played out quite a bit is just being a person that's brave enough to uh, kind of embrace the awkward conversations when it when you first start off, right? It's really really awkward. Hey, how you doing? What do you study? Uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? And then you sit there. <laughs> what are you doing this week? And it's like it's worth it because next week it will be easier, yeah, yeah. and the week after that, and the week after that. Um, and I think that's kind of something that we've had tried, uh, embarrassingly, we've tried to embrace with students as well. Get together, do stuff together, even meet with people that uh, you haven't met before um, and will have maybe one thing to focus in. Uh, but then even if it gets a little bit quiet, we know that the week after they will appreciate each other more. Oh, yes, yeah. that face is familiar. I do know them. Even though it was awkward, I actually 
I know them. I, I feel like I'm more a part of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Because I think it's a, we want to take, we want to be on step 10. Yeah. <laughs> and it's difficult exactly. to take step one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I think and people sometimes think straight away you're step 10. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, not yeah. always the case. Yeah. No, that's really good. good. Mm. Really helpful. Well, we'll get into some questions that you have uh, sent in in just a sec. But also what, one of the things that we like to do each week is take a topical question, something that's come up in the week. And in the earlier part of the week, I thought there was something that was very interesting. I want to put this to you, Joel, because uh, I know this is a topic that you follow very closely, the royal family. And I thought that was a major, you know, cliques in, out. That's the dynamic Harry's going on family. with uh, yeah. Harry and Meghan, that sort yeah, of yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. look, Okay, bit of a long question, but this is, this is, I think this is interesting. So in the discussion uh, interview this week with uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, to give them their titles, uh, with Oprah, one of the things that Oprah said was, uh, in referring to what uh, Meghan was saying, was about your truth. This is an opportunity for you to talk about your truth, mm. uh, which I thought was an interesting uh, phrase. And then what happened later on in the week, Piers Morgan got involved and he said, you know, I didn't uh, um, believe what she said. So he was kind of saying, what she said is not the truth. Mm. So and he's very that one. And then Her Majesty herself send, puts that uh, statement out saying, recollections may vary. Kind of, which is interesting, again, saying, okay, there, there might be truth, that might be true, may or not be true, but our recollection, our perception of the truth is different. And so there's... Yeah, so there's lots of different aspects of truth. And often when we come to Christianity and a Christian worldview, um, that idea of, well, truth is subjective. You know, that's true for you, but not for me. And I thought this, this thing this week highlighted that. Is, is that, can we talk, when, in, from a Christian point of view, can we talk about your truth or your truth or your truth? Is truth subjective like that? What, what would a Christian say to that topic, really? Yeah, I, I think we, we can't go along with the idea that truth is ultimately subjective. Mm. Um, I don't think anyone can in the end. I don't say that just because I'm a Christian. I think it just stands to, to real experience, that, that we, uh, co common shared experience. We, we're aware that it's ultimately, a, it contradicts itself to say there's no such thing as absolute truth, mm. because that in itself is, is an absolute statement. So it, 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 it's got the seeds of its own downfall in its first, you know, in its yeah. opening statement. So it doesn't make sense to, to talk as though truth isn't absolute and final. I think when people talk to, I think a generous take, I, I haven't watched the interview, surprisingly That's enough. I, I, you know, I don't live and breathe by what, what's going on with the rules. I, I should, I know I should, to be a true subject of Her Majesty, I should have watched every thing that's ever come out of uh, that. But I... So I, I, all I can do is notice the quotation from, from, I think it was Oprah Winfrey that said it. Yeah. Um, and I guess a generous take on what she's trying to say, you know, or at least the, 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 what she's getting at, mm, mm. would be, tell us your experience. Yeah. Tell us what it yeah. felt like. And I think that's a really good question. Yeah. You know, we, it's, it's completely appropriate to, to get to know what someone's actual experience has been, and, and that's what we... That's what Christians should be good at, or at least that's what Jesus has shown us, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in compassion and sympathy towards us, um, knowing our weaknesses and feel, feelings and so on. Um, but I, I think it's, it muddles things massively when we talk, like you say, about this is your truth, because mm. it's, that's, it, it, makes, it makes the truth entirely subjective. Um, and I, I agree, that's, that's a pretty dangerous world we go into. I do think it's, 
I just to, to slightly riff on this as, as a way, in a way I hope is helpful and relevant to what we've been talking about today. It, it does seem like there's you could see sort of two big kind of ways of seeing the world kind of making their their motions at the moment and you kind of these big plate tectonics going on underneath society in terms of i guess the kind of sort of you stoical stiff upper lip um uh virtuous silence and not expressing emotion mm. but doing your duty which the royal family and especially the queen has been kind of a model of over decades and generations and knew something of that i suppose from being brought up by a very kind of victorian edwardian family and then the war and the aftermath of the war and all the austerity and the rationing and just doing your duty and just keep going and and she's modeled that and thrived as that and uh, for for generations and really what we what we seem to be living far more in now since i guess the sort of 60s and onwards is a much more self-expressive that there's this, on a popular level it's it's more um it's not just allowed that we should express our emotions and look for sympathy publicly it's kind of expected mm. you know it's kind of you're a bit suspicious if you don't mm. if if you don't ever show your emotions if you don't ever show vulnerability you're a bit you're a bit kind of mm, something unusual about you and, and you know, there's it seems to be a bit of a generational shift to put it you know in broad brush terms and i think that in a way there's a bit of an opportunity there for the gospel there's an opportunity to show how jesus is is the answer <laughs> Because I don't think that the real solution to the real human condition is, is to say, um, enough of this, close down the emotions, let's all go back to being Victorian, stoic and stiff upper lip and do your duty and stop being so emotional. But neither is it just to say, well, let's just all be completely, you know, let's just break the banks of, of, of the river and just flood out with just sheer self-expression. This is how I feel and you have to put up, you know, live with it, I'm gonna share my things. Neither of those, match up with reality because we we are actually made as the bible describes us we are made for uh, an emotional life and we are made independent upon one another but we are also uh, answerable to a to a final truth and a final truth teller a person in fact who said not just this is the truth but i am the truth yeah. but he said it as someone you could you could talk to and someone who could touch someone who could even reach out and touch a leper or put his arm around someone or befriend. The truth is a person who is full of warmth and love and compassion and dies for his enemies. And so we don't have to choose between being truthful and being emotional. Yeah. We actually need to find the person that helps us to do both with him as the Lord and not our own personal need for self-expression as the Lord, yeah. but him as the Lord. And if he's good, then he'll look after us emotionally. We don't have to close ourselves up. We can open up to him. Um, but, but neither do we sort of just become unaccountable with it. I just think it's fascinating. I think there's two different worlds in our, yeah. in our Western society. And it's almost like they, they're both wrong. <laughs> they both mean Jesus. That's great. No, that's really helpful. That's great. Another question that came in was to do with, um, okay, so we're talking about you know, welcoming people in and building friendships and building community and that sort of thing. And then someone asked there about, well, but Jesus also did have layers mm. to his friendship. He wasn't best buds with everyone, you know, mm. and, and that was unachievable. So 
in what way does that form a, a model for us? Is that something that we should be doing? Is that, is that a helpful thing to have? Or should we just try and be as trained with as many people as possible? Arnold, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think when you, when you look at it in terms of capacity, it's not possible. I don't think to have this deep, intimate relationship with literally everyone. I think as Christians, we're called to be uh, very much, uh, we welcome everybody. We want you to be a part of us as a group. And, and we, as we go on, like be part of it as, as we are, we're moving forward. Um, but I think as individuals, uh, there are people that we have close to us that we are happy to start telling deeper, more intimate things um, who might have more of a, what's the word, like ongoing influence on our lives as a day-to-day. As a -day. Uh, if, you spend your, if you spend yourself trying to make intimate relationships with everyone, which is actually what I tried mm. to do, literally, this is what I tried to do, you find that you have intimate relationships with no one mm. because you're, you're, you're spending too much of a gap between this one friend that you saw and the next time that you see them because you're trying to get through everybody <laughs> else. Um, so you're not really being able to open up and do life with that person. So I think as Christians, on a group kind of big picture thing, we shouldn't really prevent anyone from uh, moving with us and, and being involved in what we're doing. And then we should encourage each individual Christian to get other people who are, are uh, people that they really think, I think I can trust this person to tell my deep secrets with and do like intimate life with uh, into our lives. I think those two things are kind of like the healthiest way to kind of go about doing church and friendships and stuff. Yeah, sounds like you've been on a bit of a, a journey with that yourself. Yeah, personally. I'm really glad I'm here actually because yeah. it's something that I've been working out for a while. Yeah. But also I think it takes time as well. Yeah. And there can be that thing of it miss, missing expectations. Oh, I'm not quite built that friendship that I want to there, but it's just gonna, have, it's gonna yeah. take time. Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. And, that sort of, and just sort of recalibration and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, anything to add on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, such a good question. It's so wise as a question because it's easy to go to a, to a flat kind of cliche. Let's, let's welcome everybody in a way that doesn't think about the realities that, of how we're made. And just like I'm saying, the, the practical realities and the fact that we are in family, marriage. There's these, there's these kind of relationships that are deliberately ex, uh, exclusive and healthier for it. I suppose it's when you end up thinking that thing serves itself. If a marriage serves itself, mm. it's dangerous. If a family serves itself, if you see, actually it all serves God, mm. then there's more chance that it becomes a, a, a welcoming environment in the, rea yeah. in the real sense. You know, I, I, can, I can have an exclusive family and an exclusive relationship with my wife and children, but it doesn't mean I'm excluding others in, a, in, a, in an unhealthy way. It means actually we're more able to love the outsider mm. and welcome them in because we've created an environment so if it doesn't, they, you're better equipped to do it if, you, if you're wise about which relationships are which. And it means some tensions. You know, I remember when, as a kid, when my, my, my parents were sometimes, I mean, once or twice, well, deliberately inviting outsiders who weren't, people who were in England as guests to Christmas, um, to be with us on Christmas Day, as total strangers. There's nowhere else to go. My, my dad said, let's just welcome to Christmas. And, and I remember him praying in the building, I overheard him praying once, Lord, I pray that the kids won't feel excluded. And so I think that's, that shows the kind of tension, the kind of, you, you're trying to, trying to be a good pet family person and just have that special relationship, but you also know there's a reaching out and it's not simple. It's, yeah. it, I think there's a, there's a bit of a walking, a difficult road and just asking God for help sometimes. That's good. Yeah. That's cool. Another question that, that has come up, I think it's particularly relevant um, this week and, 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 and 
straight out of the passage that we're looking at uh, as well. What does Boaz teach us about our attitude towards women today? I mean, that's a you know, very vivid story yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. connects into the news headlines Absolutely. this week as well. So, yeah, how, what would you yeah, say? Yeah, no, I've... I've Again, just glancing at the, the media that's, that's come, that surrounded these, these horrible events, I, I think that the, the, the word educate is coming up a lot, okay. um, educating men. Um, I, I think that's a... It, it's, it's just, I suppose, thinking through, what, what do you mean by educate? What is the model? What are, what are we drawing people to, to aim for? And I think... But Boaz, Ruth and Boaz is a difficult story to go to immediately because culturally it's so distant from us. Mm. So there are certain features of it you'd have to sort of think, how do we interpret that? That looks different than now. Um, I can imagine a, a 21st century reader kind of bristling at some of the ways that even the fact that Boaz says, my young women. Mm. You know, what does that mean, my young women? Um, well, it's because he's, he's actually the landowner. He's talking, it's basically the whole community of people that, he, that work for him. So, but it's just, there's kind of language that we have to kind of think, what does it mean by that? Knowing what the context is helps us. Mm. But the key thing I see is a guy who has influence and uses it for the sake of peace and blessing and safety. Yeah. He uses his strength and his influence to look after outsiders. Yeah. That's it. That's as simple as that. It's like, there you have it. It's like, if, if having influence and authority and power is not a bad thing in itself, in fact, it's a gift, but it's how you use it. Yeah. And I think for men to think, I. I I want to be ambitious is not wrong, but being ambitious for the right thing, having influence so that you can be a blessing and protect and look after other people, even if that costs you, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Is, a, is a superb model. And I think he models that. That's brilliant. That's really good. Mm. Anything on that one? Yeah. I think just uh, what you had said, Joel, in your sermon earlier about uh, people could just say, oh, yes, we should uh, do kind things. And yes, the Bible tells us this, but... Um, the good thing it seemed as though with Boaz is he understood the reason as to why these things were put into the law. Um, yes, and I yeah, think, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess that's just kind of one lesson that we can take. It's more than just saying, uh, do this or do that or do that. And this is what you need to do when it comes to the way that we treat women or treat other people. Um, but the things that God has said, why has he said it? Yes. Um, and once we understand the reason why, I think we can be able to actually embrace those acts with a lot more love and joy and passion. Because yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem like Boaz was like, you know, his hand was being strung yeah. there to do it. No, he like, loved it because he understood this is the heart of God. Um, and this is, I'm going to do this because God, God loves this. Yeah, that's so. super. That's good. Um, maybe time for one more question. I suppose, is this really a topic for... For everyone, you know, for everyone to apply. Because some people uh, are more introverted mm -hmm. and some people find it difficult. And we talked to it earlier about it, you know, it be awkward and difficult and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and some people, especially in a church community like this, are more na are naturally more gifted, perhaps, in making friends. But, yes. You know, so if we're more introverted, yeah. should we just leave it to the welcome team and the yeah, people yeah, that are really yeah. good at hospitality and that yes. sort of thing? You know, they, if they excel, the community is fine. Is that, is that okay? I, I, my, my simple, quick answer, getting in there first, sorry, Arnold, That's okay. <laughs> would be, I think introverts can, can do this in a different way than extroverts. It's, I think it's not whether or not we do it. I think an introvert will have a, an, an advantage in some respects. So they'll feel sometimes, like, oh, I'm so shy, I can't, be with, I can't meet new people. 
actually, in some ways, an introvert is better with new people because you're, you're more likely to go deep with them quicker mm. or you'll feel the need to do that, you'll want to. And that means a lot to people. Yeah. Um, so I think using your, your emotional makeup in, you know, to an advantage is possible. Um, and I'm sure it's true for extroverts as well, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, I think we, we see this played out in the student world a lot. I'm a huge extrovert, Jess is a, an extrovert, and we're great at being like, everyone, welcome, it's so good to have you. And let everyone, like the masses, will feel like, wow, this is my place, it's awesome. But that only lasts a small amount of time. Mm. Uh, there are people who are looking for deeper relationships, actual friendships. Um, and that's where the introverts come in and they say, hey, what's your name? What yeah. do you do? How do you do it? And sometimes my demeanor can be a little bit overwhelming for the introvert. Well, hey, what's going on? What's up? Yeah, and it's too much. <laughs> um, so, and I, it's happened when I was president yeah, yeah. of the Christian Union. I was like this and this guy seemed a little bit off with me. Um, but then when somebody else on the committee came on and started speaking to him, he was so comfortable. Yeah. And I realized this is just a personality thing and this is the body, this is how we yeah, work. That's so Brilliant, good. that's so Brilliant. good. Brilliant. Thanks, Arnold. Thanks, Joel. That is all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining us, and thank you for sending in your questions as well. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, Toby Ford-Weston has been preaching on the topic of disagreeing well. You see, I've practised it this time, and I actually know what's happening. <laughs> so there you go. So hope you join us for that. Have a great week, and see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.